Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Rouge Rugby Podcast. I'm Stu Hardy, joined, as always, by Derek Vassets. And Derek, we've had our first MLR game in Toronto since 2019. What was it like for you? Uh, dude, it was awesome. Uh, I loved it. Um, you know, obviously, dis- disappointing result from uh, the Arrows' point of view, but I feel like this is kind of one of those games where it's like maybe one of those, maybe not one of those games, but it's like one of those occasions, I guess, where the uh, the result of the game kind of s- takes a slight back seat to just um, how how nice it was to have the first home game back in Toronto in 1,035 days. Great to, you know, see a whole bunch of people that I haven't seen in a couple of years. Um, actually got to see yourself in person. Yeah. For like, uh, for like the first time since like, I don't know, 2019. I don't even think, for the first time since you've actually been brought onto the show, I think. Yes. I've seen you true. in person, um, which is wild. You know, got to uh, you know meet meet up with got to meet up with uh, a bunch of people that I haven't seen in a while, including some of the players, which is nice too. It's yeah, it was just it was it was a great game, I guess. I I don't know, should should we should I guess should we start the podcast with just talking about like the fan experience and uh, how much fun this was before we actually get into the actual on field events. Well, I think we can combine the two, really, because I think it's basically one and the same at this point. So, obviously, um, Arrows fans have been waiting for this game for over 1,035 days, and it's finally arrived. And I know this was your first experience at your client stadium. And myself, for example, went to the rugby rally, but that was in October. It was colder. It was raining as well. And... Saturday was just clear skies, gorgeous weather. I love how it snowed on the Friday and on the Sunday, but for the Saturday, it was like the rugby gods were like, this is going to be a nice, it might be a little chilly, but you put a jacket and a hoodie on and you are good to go type weather. Yeah. Um, So it was, yeah, it it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful day kind of bookended by two days of snow uh, or like snow slash sleet, which would have been not as much fun to, uh, no, absolutely not. But but that's what I mean. Like great weather, the crowd, you could see it like pouring in from when we arrived. So that was probably, so we, I got there about, uh, 20, 25 past 11. So Mm -hmm. within time to, uh, you know, get media accreditation, uh, find the seats, make sure, uh, could put out a TikTok before the game. And there we go. Um, yeah, just really get the atmosphere. And again, I think obviously having the midday kickoffs, I know some people were confused as to why they're so early. Uh, well, one of the good reasons is there's no chance of clashing with another game that's going on in the MLR, which was, the, I think this is the first time this season we've had um, all six games and none of them have overlapped each other, which is wonderful. Is that true? I don't know, but it yeah, feels true, know. doesn't yeah, it? I, I don't know. It might be. Um, um, but the, but somebody oh, yeah, else. That was nice. Well. It, made it made it a little bit easier to watch every game. I think I missed uh, who played after the arrow, so I didn't see that one. Uh, that was DC New England. Yeah, I didn't see that one live, so I was still on my way home from the game or whatever. Well, you've been enjoying yourself all. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. Well, I think that's part of it, right? They keep the garden open for uh, two, three hour, two hours, two hours after the game mm. and stuff, so you can just kind of hang out. You know, I still think it's like it is one of the coolest things about going to an Arrows game 
um is that like yeah like the players go and like you like the players were like after the game the players were like hopping into like the the crowd jumping up yeah. in like seats and stuff um a couple of them made their way over to uh to the garden we're hanging out with friends family and also like you know is interacting with uh with fans also as well which was great to see and you know it, was, it wasn't just the uh, fit players who were all the match players as well it was also yeah and the injured players that were around so i was fortunate enough to talk to to Tommy De La Vega, Gaston Mirez, Ross Brody, you know, so, and, and I think that's like something really valuable about the MLR is that if I was to tell you like your top sports teams, like anyone from the NHL or the NFL or MLB and stuff and saying that, oh yeah, after the game, they're just there and yeah. you can like go up to them and have a chat with them Yeah, he- for, for the cost of your ticket. Yeah, exactly. You can't uh, blow their minds. You're not having a beer with Mitch Marner after the game. Um, But you did also mention it was like it was my first time at York Lions Stadium. And it's amazing. Like just first impression, it's amazing. It's such like just such a dramatic improvement over um, the 2019 setup at – uh, the alumni field and then the Lamport as well. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, it, it was insane. It's insane. Um, it looks so good. Um, the facilities itself, it looks amazing. Bill Webb put out a photo of like the locker room and yeah. it's like a proper, like Toronto arrows, like a locker yeah. room too. It's got like, you know, gi- a big arrows logo. It's got like their, I guess let's call it artwork for lack of better term, but it's like mm-hmm. decorated with the team. They got like their team slogans and stuff on the lockers. Um, all the lockers have like the personalized like numbers, nameplates, stuff like that. Yeah. That's, you know, it, it looks amazing just from that photo that Bill Webb shared. I think it was Bill Webb that shared it. Um, but it's uh, so that looked incredible. I'll say as I watched the game from the press box and the, the, the press box is unreal. It's, not even, not even close, like to uh, what it was at, at Lamport and uh, uh, the, the alumni field. It's amazing. Like, it's yeah, there's, it's just, it's incredible. It's incredible the way they have that set up. Obviously, too, like it allows the setup for uh, you know Gareth Reese, Jamie McKenzie. They were on the call um, for the uh, the TSN broadcast as well, which was actually on TSN four. Um, so like that was also really cool. But it allows them to be there and be like recording the game. Thought the game looked all right, pretty good on TV too. The when I uh, rewatched the game, I did. I thought that looked really good. It looked like too, like you know, the stadium itself. I mean, like the seats and everything looks really nice. Being down on the pitch, the pitch is pristine. Yes, um, well, the pitch is world rugby quality. Yeah, and and FIFA standard and FIFA, as well. Yeah, well, well, that's part of it too, right? Like it is. You know, it's it's a you know maybe it's not the biggest stadium, right? Like it's like what five thousand seats? It's about four and a half, yeah, four and a half, five thousand seats, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, things we should actually research before talking about them on a podcast, but eh, whatever. But it's like, yeah, it's five thousand, so it's like York United, um, obviously playing out of there. Just announced earlier today. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, I did. Uh, yeah, there you go. That um, TFC two, which is name the junior team. team. Name yeah. your team, guys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, TFC two, um, the sequel, the revenge, TFC two, TFC Eater, TFC Harder. I don't know. But like, yeah, TFC two, they're gonna play at 
um, York Alliance Stadium as well, right? So yeah, we get um. I don't. I don't follow soccer. What's that league called? What's like the MLS like minor league called? I don't even. So it's the MLS Next League oh, is what like, it's called. So, like, so it, it is just that MLS academy teams. Next is what it's called. Yeah, yeah. They couldn't, they couldn't just call it like minor league soccer. They went with well, MLS well, I think it's, Next. Yeah, I know. Well, that's the thing when it comes to all these kind of different sports, you need like unique branding and stuff like that. If everything's just oh, this is the minor league version, then yeah, you know, you don't want to well, cheapen the product, yeah. do you? But I think I think that's another like really key thing though with um, with the stadium as well, right? So you know there is uh, like Rugby United, New- Rugby United New York. Wow, <laughs> mixing up my United team names here. Um, York United, which yeah. I guess is really close to Rugby United New York. Um, they considering they both have York and United in the name. Um, so I'll forgive Easy myself. For, I'll forgive myself for the year. But yeah, York United and. The arrows they put out a uh, like a combined ticket package, mm-hmm. um, where it's like you can buy you get a ticket for the the York United game, which I think is this Thursday night, and then you get a ticket for the arrows game on Saturday, yeah. um, for like a combined price, um, which I, I'm assuming changes based on where you actually buy your ticket, um, but like that's a really cool like kind of promotion thing that you can do, right? Hopefully that brings in. Um, hopefully that brings in some soccer fans and stuff to uh, to the Arrows games. Hopefully, to York United kind of feels a little reciprocal bump from that. Or people that you know are there to watch the Arrows that maybe wouldn't necessarily go to a uh, go to a soccer game. Maybe they uh, they head out to uh, York United, and you know it's just the uh, the amount of I guess professional teams right now that are deciding to kind of make York Lions Stadium home. Um, just kind of speaks to the quality that that facility is. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's it's absolutely unreal. It's so nice there. It's wicked too to just have like a video score, like the video scoreboard too. So you can, yeah. You know, it's fun to like, oh, that was a sweet try. Can I go back and I can actually just turn my head to the right and get a little replay of it, um, which is a lot of fun. Uh, the garden looked like a lot of fun too. I only got down there after the match. Did you, uh, did, did you venture down there during the game at all? Or uh, it looks like obviously like a lot of, a lot of beer, a lot of food. Um, did you play cornhole? Did you play uh, no, no, it didn't actually. Cause you know, I was on media duties as well and <laughs> uh, boyfriend duties as well. Um, and that's the thing is that I've been so used to watching halftime on TV. And by watching halftime, I mean, that's the time to go to the bathroom. That's the time <laughs> to, get another drink that's the time to just you know stretch your legs and then i'm watching the rugby network being like come on i've seen this commercial for the fifth time in a row can we just get back to the game but you end up obviously like talking to other people that you yeah. came with and just enjoying the atmosphere and you know you got your hopes eye up because i mean the arrows were only down by three at uh, half time and then next thing i know i turn around and uh, the players are running back onto the pitch so it's like okay gotta get to my seat and uh, enjoy the game again i hope if there's ever a t- like a tied game though we can go settle it with cornhole we'll get like mike shepherd and the other captain to come out yeah. they'll go to the garden and then that'll be how we settle settle all the draws yeah so yeah that was a that was amazing um so yeah, I think we've talked a lot about the stadium. Let's uh, on move to on game. to the game itself because there's a lot of talk about in this game. Not 
besides it just being the first home game that the Arrows have had uh, since 2019. Start off, who else to get the scoring started but the last man to score in Toronto, uh, Sam Malcolm, with a penalty to get the Arrows on the board. Uh, then it was Atlanta getting back into it. They were able to score two penalties to give them a lead of 6-3 going into the half. And it was very close half. I mean, like great defensive work from both teams to prevent try-scoring efforts. There was a moment, especially in the first half, where it looked like Atlanta was going to score and then the ball uh, spilled out into Arrow's hands, kick ahead, um, Atlanta reclaimed it and then Chris Bell went for the tackle and was assisted and then became a line out to the Arrows but unfortunately um, Chris Bell uh, I believe it was his ankle or definitely part of his leg got caught underneath in the tackle and you could see that he was um, in pain and visibly frustrated and so Chris Bell was taken off. Um, Will Kelly was brought in to become fly half as Sam Malcolm moved from fly half to scrum half. Uh, so that's something we have to mention is that the arrows are now out of scrum halves. Yeah. Of the four scrum halves they have, um, all four of them are now injured on different levels, which is like hilarious after the fact kind of thing, but that's that's not really hilarious. I don't think it's not that funny. <laughs> well, that's what I say after the fact, as in so long down the line, we'll look back on this and laugh. But for the time being, it's a pretty grim picture. So we have Chris Bell, who's um, well, I'll, 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 I'll use what the arrow say. He has a lower body injury and is probably unlikely to make the next game. Ross Brody has a lower body injury as well. He'll be out uh, for a, I think it's on a week by week basis. Uh, Cole Brown has been out month to month since the start of the season. And of course, Andrew Ferguson um, has had to undergo surgery. And so he's out for the remainder of the season as well. So it looks to be a case that uh, the Arrows need to do a few quick signings um, between now and Saturday to either get a scrum half Either that or Sam Malcolm is uh, just adding to his repertoire of abilities that he's capable of pulling off. But it's uh, yeah. it's not a pretty picture to have. We were actually having a chat before uh, recording the podcast of who could come up. So there is uh, Kevin O and Adam Doyle. And these are both guys that are in the Men's Senior Academy. And these um, were both in the academy lineup for the Free Jacks Academy game a few weeks ago. And we were saying it may even be worth just giving them, uh, you know, two-week contracts or short-term contracts just until this uh, scrum half situation has hopefully resolved itself. Of all the backs that could have been injured, and there are very few that we can allow to be injured at the moment... It had to be uh, the one remaining fit scrum half. So that's uh, going to be an interesting challenge for the coaching staff to get their heads around in time for the match against Old Glory this Saturday. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely... Um, uh, you, you never want to see anybody get injured. And obviously the Arrows have had you know, a lot of injury trouble this year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it kind of there's obviously some big names in the pack that are missing, like Thomas De La Vega still as a week to week 
it still was listed as week to week before the game. Adrian Wadden was day to day. So hopefully he's back soon. Right. So it's, and you have Rob Brower listed as day to day. Mason Flesh, we know, is out for the year. So the, the pack, the pack is suffering some injuries too, but the, the backs just are, just seem devastated at this moment. Yeah. It's dumb. Uh, you got the only back that was on the injury list that is listed as day to day was Denon Robinson Bartlett. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hope, I mean, hopefully he's good to go at the same time though, like for the health of the players, like you don't want to rush guys back either. No, absolutely not. Right. Like for then, the, you, then you're just yeah, in a worse situation. Exactly. Like, you life. don't want to rush guys back either. But I think like the crazy thing though, is like, I didn't even really realize it. I don't think going into this game, but, all the backs that played in this game were the healthy backs. Yeah. Right. And if, you know what I mean? Like if you actually, if you go through the arrows roster and you can just like, you can check off every, every single back as either they played in this game or they're hurt. Right. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, it's, it's definitely like rough to see. So it's like, if say like Denon Robinson Bartlett looks like he, based on the, um, injury report, the health update that the arrows put out on Friday night before the game, April 1st. Yeah. Friday night before the game, uh, Denon Robinson Bartlett was the only back that is listed as day to day. Everybody else is month to month or week to week mm. or in the case of Andrew Ferguson long-term. Yeah. But if nobody comes back this week, right? Like, the arrows are only going to have, let's say you probably run back the same lineup from yeah. this past game, but then like Mitch Vorlek is going to be the, would be the only back on the bench. Yeah. Assuming, assuming Peter Smith doesn't decide to put him in the starting lineup. Yeah. Um, right. So it's like, if you, if you went, if you went for the sake of argument, if you go Malcolm Kelly, um, uh, Tafaga, Detoy, uh, Richardson, Sheridan, and McCann, right? Vorlek would be the guy on the bench. Um, like, and you did mention, um, you also mentioned, obviously, you know, perhaps there's the uh, the, the possibility that they they sign a player um, to come up. Um, uh, like, I mean, when we were kind of talking, we were sort of speculating just based on, like, you do, they do have an academy team, and maybe. Um, so when the Free Jacks, when they played the uh, the Free Jacks Academy, the Independence, they um, the scrum halves there were Kevin O and Adam Doyle. Yeah. So as you mentioned, it's like perhaps those guys are options. Perhaps there's somebody else that's an option. I guess either way, like un- unless you sign a new scrum half, though, like you're kind of out of scrum halves. And I suppose it's either going. I guess it's either Malcolm plays scrum half next week. Or they have to sign somebody to play scrum half next week. Yeah. Um, and it, perhaps, perhaps by the time that this is, uh, that people are listening to this episode, maybe that question's answered. Perhaps. Um, but, um, and, you know, maybe, maybe like who knows what the rules of the league as far as like signing people are and stuff. Maybe, maybe it's a little bit hard. Maybe it's a little bit even harder than what we're just, what we're kind of spitballing here. But yeah. um, the injury situation is dire, man. And it's, it looks like you know going into Old Glory DC next week, unless unless somebody unless there's a someone's you know going to be activated off the injury list, which hopefully hopefully somebody will be. But yeah, no, it's it's devastated right now. It's one of the uh, 
I, it's it's one of the, like the biggest talking points, obviously, to come out of this past game, and it's just it's 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 been on like it's just been wild. Like we, you know, we're halfway through the season. We probably haven't seen like an actual proper full strength arrows team yet. Yeah, um, just because so many so many injuries, and like you kind of even look at it like you could probably make a pretty like you could make like a competitive MLR backline out of the players that are hurt. Yeah. Right. Like, and I think, you know, we, we called, um, we, you know, before, before the season starts and that's, I know it's a thing that we've mentioned in previous seasons as well, but it's like, we've called the arrows like the deepest team in MLR. And I kind of think that this season is somewhat proving that to a point. Because like I don't think there's too many other teams in the league that can lose as many players as the Toronto Arrows have, at like, and s- be sitting at four and four halfway through the season, right? Like, yeah, I, I, that, that's a fair assessment. Yeah, like I just, you know what I mean? Like, and to be able to like figure out like, okay, we're gonna play guys out of position or you know, have to shift around like, cause I mean, you know, I mean, Richardson is probably a center that's playing wing a lot more than he's playing center right now. Yeah. Obviously like you're, you know, Malcolm having to step in and play scrum half. Um, right. Like it's, it, it, it's a wild injury situation that they're having to deal with. And, you know, like every time, you, you can kind of watch you like, I mean, you watch this game and like even this game, it's like, yeah, there's, there's probably some scoring opportunities that, you know, didn't come off that maybe like, you know, they would like back and right. But it's, you know, they're playing competitive. Like the defense is playing unreal. Um, it's, which is amazing. I don't, th- I just don't think that there is many, if any team in the MLR that could, that could do this. Like, to the degree that the arrows are doing. I know LA, I get LA has been dealing with a lot of their, with a lot of injuries yeah. as well. But um, so, and, and they're, they've just, they've made a huge push up the, uh, as they're getting guys back, they've started making, yeah. uh, started making a, a push up the standings. Now that they're getting guys back, but um, yeah, like it's, it's, it's just wild, man. It's like, I, I, I don't even I don't even really know what you do at this point. It's yeah. uh, I guess I guess I guess immediate thoughts next week. It's either it looks like it's either going to be Sam Malcolm playing scrum half or, you know, they have to sign somebody. Yeah, do it. So um, I guess we'll see what happens. Um, so, yeah, that was obviously uh, Chris Bell. Big, big turning point in the game, bringing Sam Malcolm on. Um, and then uh, the game continues, Stu. Yeah, that's it. We haven't even gotten into the second half yet, yeah. and that's when uh, fortunes start to go certain ways and then the other way. So uh, we get on in the second half, and uh, the Arabs get a penalty, which Malcolm kicks for the post, so it's all even. Then we get into the tries, and... You know, Andrew Quatron scored a seven-pointer last week, but it was a team effort that got him over the whitewash for the first try again since 2019 as well. You could see the reaction from the players, how much it meant to them. The uh, conversion, obviously, being 
nearer the uh, touchline than it was the post was a bit more difficult and uh, get the uh, rugby Atlanta boys down into Arrows territory. And unfortunately, it seemed to be a case of James O'Neill um, was the uh, offending player. And it was just like, it wasn't um, so much a case of he created a yellow card, more the case of the team had had enough warnings up to that point. And then finally, that was the one that the referee decided, right, now the card's coming out. Uh, so it was a yellow card to James team down to 14 so of course Atlanta go for a driving they have a scrum and I'll be fair like the Atlanta scrum had been pretty dominant throughout this game but they're able to get the ball out and eventually Atlanta score a try then we get the ball down into the Toronto Arrows half again and this time it's a driving more from the line out and of course being down the man especially down the forward doesn't help so Atlanta score another try and they get up to 20 points. So it's uh, 2011 at this point. And then the Arrows get a penalty with enough time left that they can push it. But it's 2014. The Arrows spend, I think, the better half of the final 10 minutes pushing into the Atlanta half. But, you know, that Atlanta defense has been phenomenal so far this season and uh, it's continuing to do so. It's just unable to break that line and eventually uh, the clock goes red Atlanta get the ball kick it out and so it's not the win it is a bonus point um, and you know at least Atlanta didn't get a try bonus as well so you know silver linings to all this but the defense is good yeah this is good <laughs> yeah we'll it's a bit of that in a bit but again, I think as well, like the occasion of it being the first home game that fans can go to in over three years. Mm-hmm. I think it didn't, while it was like, uh, you know, not the perfect way to come home, didn't really put a dampener on a lot of fans' mood. I know that as soon as the game ended, everyone was giving a standing ovation to the players, both from Toronto and Atlanta, just it was, you know, a really enjoyable game to have, very tense, um, you know, and obviously something that we have to mention, and I want to save it now, was the try that wasn't a try. Um, down in the corner, Atlanta had been pushed into, the Atlanta player had been pushed into touch, but had dropped the ball. And then Will Kelly and Ronan Foley had been able to get their hands on the ball, and they thought it was a try and went to the TMO. Uh, TMO ruled that uh, because uh, Foley was in touch when he uh, scored the try, that it was a goal line dropout, even though in the... But he didn't even rule game, that. He went to the 22 first. He went to a 22-meter dropout and then back to a goal line dropout. And yeah. A wild, a wild situation. Even, even, though, even though that if you... Uh, and it's been found in the rules is that if a player is yeah. in touch and grounds the ball so long as they didn't have the ball whilst they went into touch it would count as a try so, so this is this is i guess the big i think looking at this game i think there's like you said it was like there's a handful of big of like major talking points or storylines for this game one was the first home game in 1035 days which we covered two was chris bell getting injured and then the hero's injury situation as a whole Three 
is probably Atlanta scoring two tries with the yellow card. Mm-hmm. And four is should that have been a try? So, Stu, yeah. I'm turning this back to you now, man. Should should that have counted? Well, unfortunately, whilst we may be biased, I don't know if you can see that at all. Yeah. As in, we, we try we try and hide I it do. as well as, as we you, can. As you're kind of circling your gear here, I must say that I am impressed by the uh, the Ontario Arrows hat. Oh, gee, man. Yeah, oh, no, gee. that's cool. Man. Um, yeah. The mark of a longtime fan there. Indeed. Um, so anyway, uh, should it have been a try? Well, according to the letter of the law and what happened in the game, it should have been a try. However, this is one of the more obscure rules of scoring a try. And I feel as though that if you're in that situation, it kind of it kind of reminds me of the uh, Seattle game earlier this season where someone had to come onto the field with a rule book to show yeah. that... Uh, they have to follow this what line of thinking and this way of action. And I feel as though that that happens as well. And I feel that now this, now this has been the case that a lot of people have had with the refereeing in MLR and, you know, it's not, it's, this hasn't been the first game. I unfortunately won't be the last, but they're saying the officiating has been inconsistent amongst games, even with the same referee, saying that they're not following the laws. Then again, there are also five additional laws to MLR that aren't present in any other rugby competition, but that's neither here nor there in this circumstance. Um, Because it's such an obscure uh, law and an obscure ruling, it can be seen. So I, I've said that if it was Atlanta that had scored this try and then it had been ruled as a goal line dropout for the Arrows, would I have been like <laughs> jubilant or would I have been like annoyed? I probably would have been like, oh, okay. Oh yeah, that make, that totally yeah. makes sense. Because, you know, that the player's in touch. And if the player's in touch, yeah. then surely the ball's out of play. So it's such a... It's yeah, but that's it's so obscure as well, and also it's like if you if the uh, TMO or if the ref had seen like any indication that uh, Roland Foley had had his hand on the ball uh, before he went into touch, then of course that completely goes out the window. Then it's a try if he has hand on the ball before he goes into touch. It's a try. Sorry, sorry, not (laughs) before he goes as he goes into touch. This is this is the thing we've been saying for the past uh, season of how much, oh, like we need to have TMOs. We need to have them to determine that these tries or non-tries or injuries Mm -hmm. are all correct. But we also, MLR as an institution and also Rugby Canada Mm -hmm. and USA Rugby need to be in a position where they are providing these referees with the um, education on how to apply these laws and how to make sure that They're up to date because, as we know, every season new laws come in, new laws, old laws get changed, and so on and so forth. And it can be very difficult. To, I yeah. mean, especially if the TMO in this game was saying that, oh yeah, it's a twenty-two dropout, and it would have been last season, but yeah. this season it's yeah, a goal that, line dropout. Yeah, that that confusion that confusion makes it look weirder too. Um, yeah, like you said, it's an obscure law, but you know, that's part of what makes you a professional ref too is understanding the law right yeah. understanding the the entirety of the book and the thing like with that so let's even if you let's say even if you give the thing that 
I guess that I'm kind of like somewhat scratching my head at um, is just let, let's say, like, let's just even for argument's sake, right? It, that immediate play is not a try. Mm-hmm. It's a knock on. Yeah, the I, I ball was falls confused. in front of him. It's yeah, I was confused with how the possession right. immediately went back to, to a, yeah Atlanta, even though the advantage had been plus, given yeah. to Toronto. Well, that's that. Yeah, like that's that's the thing, right? Is um, like the ball, like where the ball is. The ball is obviously in Austin White's hand. Which, first of all, what a terrible play call from Rugby ATL in yeah. that situation. Like, just as a, as an aside. Just a terrible play call. Also a bad pass, but a combination of the two um, from Rugby ATL there. But it's like Foley, who is it? Foley, Rumble, and Malcolm, I think, get to him. Get to Austin yeah. White. And like the ball falls in front of Austin White. Right. So even even if you don't award that a try, should you at the at the bare minimum, should that have been an arrow scrum? Yeah. At the bare minimum, I guess. Yeah, because it it should still be advantage. Yeah. I I feel. Yeah. Yeah. In a weird way. Right. Like it should have. I don't think. Yeah. Because, yeah, Um, prior prior to the try being scored, it was advantage to the arrows. As in the referee was indicating it was advantage and then. Mm-hmm. We're saying it's try, and then it's like, oh no, but it was brought into touch. It's like, okay, then you go back to the knock on. So why is it a goal? Yeah, because yeah. I don't even think they they called a knock on or saw the knock on, but it's like it looks like a knock on, um, just because he drops the ball is on the ground and the ball is in when the ball's on the ground in the in goal area, it's in front of Austin White, right? Yeah. So. It probably, I guess, like, I, what's what an obscure rule, um, yeah. as you said, but just based based on that uh, that rule twenty one point nine, as Brian Ray pointed out after the game, like, based on the way that that rule is written, it probably should have been a try, um, but you know, at, at the bare minimum, if it's not a try, I think it should have been, it probably should have just been a knock on, and then the arrows yeah. get another chance to attack, and then. Who knows what happens from there? Um, but yeah, I mean, unfortunate bad break. I mean, they have they happen. Um, it's uh, yeah, I don't know. It is what it is, right? They still uh, yeah, there's still ten minutes left. Still ten minutes left in the game at that point. Um, and you know, un- unfortunately, the arrows uh, never got never quite got back to the opportunity um, to uh, to you know get the winning try on the board. Yeah, it's a final score, Toronto 14, Atlanta 20. Uh, So, Derek, um, is there any player from the Arrows or even from uh, ATL that you would consider giving the Man of the Match award? Oh, yeah, well, I mean, I think the uh, the broadcast uh, gave it to Malcolm, um, despite the the loss, which obviously, I mean, he sticks out because, you know, he... um, Went three for three on penalties, missed his conversion, but you know contri- directly contributes to nine of the fourteen arrows points. Um, and then obviously just the whole fact that he uh, switched positions partway through the game, handled himself very well at scrum half, and you know was that's definitely one of probably the most effective back in uh, in the game all around as well. So I mean, like he definitely stands out. 
I think, um, as you kind of mentioned, um, Atlanta had an edge at the scrum for sure. Um, but I think outside of the scrum, Quatrin and Keith were outstanding again. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought they played very well. Um, Quatrin, a lot of carries again. Um, his line out throws are looking very good. He's making his tackles on defense. Um, Cole Keith um, from that Arrows report, match report led the team in tackles again. Um, so I think this is the second game in a row where he's led the team in tackles. Um, and it's also the second game in a row where Andrew Quatrin has a try. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's, you know, another game where they, you know, the front row put in like, I think were they all on for like 70 ish minutes close to it anyways. Yeah. Um, they were all yeah close to it. I'm not a hundred. I can't, I didn't write down when they actually came off, but they were all close to it. Um, so it's like, you know, they've, they've been playing a lot of the front row has been playing a lot of rugby and they've been playing it effectively. Um, mm-hmm. I thought Ronan Foley um, is, these last three games that he's played, I think have been outstanding too. You know, he's, you know, continues to uh, rack up the meters with ball in hand. Um, he's making some nice tackles on defense, uh, you know, creating a really like the whole back row. I think uh, like O'Neill Rumball, I thought played pretty well as throughout the game too. O'Neill's yellow card isn't, I mean, O'Neill went off side, but he just happened to be the last guy to do it. So he got dinged with the yellow card, but so I'm not going to hold, hold the, you can't really hold the yellow against him and completely. Um, but like, yeah, they, they had some, uh, definitely had some opportunity. They were tying up the ball. Um, run ball kind of came out, set the tone real early. The uh, bell had a nice box kick that I, um, Atlanta ran back and run balls kick run ball was right there. First tackle gets over jackals, the ball back. And that set up Malcolm uh, to yeah. three, nothing lead. Um, so Rumble also a lot of line out takes and stuff. So it's like he's been playing well recently. I thought he played pretty good in this game too. Um, uh, you know, I thought Cellini did well. Um, he had some uh, highlight reel hits in this yeah. game um, and a couple line out, some nice line out takes and also kind of messed up uh, Atlanta's line out a little bit too. Um, so like that, those, those are kind of the guys that jumped out at me that i did uh, miss anybody from the arrows, anybody that you kind of want to mention. Um, I do kind of want to talk about the defense as a whole, because I think that's a big positive for the arrows, but uh, is there any individual players that you, uh, you want to shout out? Uh, well, first of all, I want to shout out to the Canadians uh, for rugby ATL. Connor Keeds at uh, lock went the entire 80 minutes and a new signing for Atlanta, uh, George Barton came in to replace uh, Ryan Nell in the second half. Um, but yeah, as in, I think you've gone over it uh, pretty much, uh, mm-hmm. saying that, uh, well, I think the entire um, forward pack um, were doing phenomenally well. Obviously, the scrum was a bit of an issue, but I think ATL just had the edge for the entire game there. Um, Ronan Foley, obviously having the knowledge of um, dragging the player into touch and then being able to ground the ball that should have been a try, but that obviously shows proper gamesmanship and knowledge of the rules in order to know that that was the correct call, even yeah. if the referees disagreed. Um, mm. You know, the all of the backs having to basically work overtime, knowing the injuries that were already there prior to uh, Chris Bell's injury, and then obviously having Kelly and Malcolm on and 
Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause now, normally I would have said like having like Kelly as a fly half, Malcolm as a fullback probably would have been a really dangerous uh, attacking platform for the arrows to use, but obviously uh, current circumstances state otherwise. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Giuseppe Dottoi, uh his um, first start for the uh, season and able to put in a full 80-minute shift as well. But obviously, a lot of these guys... <laughs> the, uh, the backs are going to have 18. to play 80 minutes. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it. <laughs> uh, but I think it was, uh, yeah, from Paul Cellini down to uh, Roman Foley. So that includes Rumble and uh, O'Neill. O'Neal, obviously... Um, not uh, playing the full 80 because of his yellow card, but, you know, playing where he could. Um, Got Kyle Bailey back too. That was nice. Yeah, that was good to see as well, um, coming on replacing Captain Mike Shepard in the second half. You know, everyone there. Shep got a nice little ovation too when yeah, he, of he course. came off the pitch. That was nice. Right. Well, even if he wasn't captain, he's just a fan favorite yeah. anyway. So, um, but yeah, as in... But yeah, you've mentioned it, I've mentioned it. The defense of both these teams was phenomenal. Yeah, it was to uh, watch. Mo- yeah, most of, most of this game felt like it was played between the two 22s and there was obviously not a ton of not a ton of like opportunities to to score that weren't from set piece. I mean, all three tries in the game were off, you know, a penalty leading to line outs or penalty um, setting up that's James O'Neill's yellow card was unfortunately like right in front of the post. And I mean, I think you kind of look at um, the arrows defense. Amazing. It's yeah. right. Like uh, it, it is actually like, I mean, in, in a loss, uh, you're probably not talking about defense too, too much, but you know, uh, we're up and we're the Canadian rugby podcast. So, I mean, uh, we'll we'll borrow some uh, a little bit of a hockey analogy from from now, right? Um, yeah. And hockey, they uh, you know a lot of the advanced stats in hockey divide up the stats based on situations. So five on five, four on four, four on three, five on four, whatever it is, right? Um, you kind of look at this game. The arrows didn't allow a, a even strand like a fifteen on fifteen try um, no. during this game, right? Big turning point of the game is that yellow card in which Atlanta, who had, who as we kind of have agreed on, had a, the better scrum throughout the game, right? Fair to say mm-hmm. that, Stuart? Yeah, I think, yeah, so, um, so Atlanta had the better scrum throughout the game. So O'Neill goes off with a yellow. Unfortunately, that's also right in front of the post. And, you know, Atlanta smartly picks the scrum there and are able to push it over. Jason Dom finishes it off, little eight-man pick, and scores the try. Later on in that 10 minutes, um, another arrows penalty allows Atlanta to, um, you know, put up, um, allows Coleman, who uh, played very, very well, too, um, and definitely made some of those arrows penalties hurt. He had his boot was uh, firing pretty well today. Um, But, you know, so Coleman puts the ball five meters out and again against another shorthanded pack, the, you know, they're able to push a mall over. And, you know, we've, we've talked about it. It's like guys, Shepard, Cellini, um, Cole Keith got like, you know, these guys are doing a really good job of shutting down malls right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And um, it like the one that got over was the one where they didn't have eight guys. Yeah. Um, right. And then the, uh, or eight forwards. 
and you know the uh the the, the other try again was a set piece it's a scrum against a shorthanded pack and unfortunately they Atlanta pushed that over right but I think like as a whole like the rest of the game like you know Atlanta did get all were able to play a bit of expansive rugby for that brief 10 minute period where the arrows had James O'Neill in the bin right mm-hmm. and it, it led to the second try they went they probably went east west across the field like two or three times um before mm-hmm. they finally got that penalty uh, the penalty called right um and but like other than that like it was it was stifling like there was a lot of times where um you know they Atlanta just decided to put up a box kick that typically went a little too far or whatever and the arrows were able to counter attack um and then you also had right like Coleman maybe would try to kick over the top or kick through at certain points um right and they you know they, they didn't have like outside of the two set pieces there was never a moment in the game where I was like oh no Atlanta might score here Right. Yeah. Like they didn't even they didn't even like get down near the try line or anything. Similarly, Atlanta's defense was outstanding, too. And the arrows yeah. did not have a lot of opportunities to score. Uh, and, you know, that's just the way the game goes sometimes. But I think the thing is with this is I think obviously the injury situation to the backs is is problematic. And you got some guys that I think the team like say that the team would typically lean on to score tries are, you know, have been out for a good portion of the season. And, but like, I think looking at, so it's nice right now. It's a good midway point of the season. Stu, I know you want to bring up the midway point of the season later on in the show, but I'm going to mess with your script and bring it up now. Um, (laughs) You look so disappointed. Uh, Let's just get on with it. Um, But so, Every team has played eight games, right? So yeah. it makes it kind of easy. So right now, the Toronto Arrows have scored the least amount of tries, mm-hmm. um, but they also find themselves in the top three, four. Um, there's they, Them in Atlanta have 21 tries against. LA has 16 tries against, and Austin has 13. Right. So they, you know, they're in the top, like, I guess, top tied for top three, I guess, of that category. They have also, you know, if you look at, they've also allowed the least amount of points in the Eastern Conference at 155, right? At least amount of tries in the Eastern Conference, too, right? 155 points is the least amount allowed in the East. Right. Again, Austin and L.A. are the only two teams that have allowed less um, in the league. Right. And the the issue is just kind of like like they're, they're playing a lot of very like low scoring games. Um, the yeah. defense is there. The defense is there. The defense has been great. The numbers are backing up that the defense has been great. But um, unfortunately, it just uh, seems to. I think in even in this game, it's like there are some opportunities in um, you know, whether it's uh, you know, the set piece didn't what like weren't able to push them all over the line or there's a turnover. Um, 
write that uh, some some a couple scoring opportunities again. I I think though, like looking at it, it's like the arrows ha- are proven to be like a pretty difficult team to score on though, right? Um, on, they've only given up thirty points once this season. Everybody else has been. Every other game has been kind of floating around like twenty or so, or the games that they win, like they're winning games. Um, the games that the arrows win are, you know, 29 to five, 14, 10, right? Like um, you have those kind of scores where it's like, like they're not giving up too much. Even like the losses, all their losses are less 21 points, 21 points, 20 points, and then 31 points to LA. Like hmm. even when they're lo- like they're losing, the games they're losing are tight. Right. And if, they get some of these guys that are on the, the injury list back. And, you know, I think the defense continues to play the way that they are. They get like anything that can resemble what we know, like perhaps the best version of the arrows backline can be if everybody's healthy. Um, if you know what I mean, and start putting up some tries this team could, could be very scary in the second half of the season. If they, you know, figure out a way to start putting more points on the board because the way the defense is playing is actually really, really good right now. So as you mentioned, for the second half of the season coming up, we are now at the halfway point. Every team has played eight games over the nine weeks. So let's take a look at where the table is now. And if the season was to hypothetically end at this point, what would uh, be the uh, playoff picture? So in the West, it is currently going to be San Diego hosting Los Angeles for the playoff final, with the conference final being held in Austin. Over in the East, uh, it would be the playoff final would be between Atlanta and New York at Silverbacks Park, with the conference final taking place at Veterans Memorial Stadium and hosted by the New England Free Jacks. And because of the points that the teams in the East have scored so far, so from that, New England is on 33, Atlanta and New York are both on 30 each. That is greater than any of the Western Conference teams at this moment. So if the final was to happen at all, in, as in hypothetically at this point, the final would be held in East, regardless of whether it was Atlanta, New York, or New England. Uh-huh. So, still eight now, games left, though. It's there are still eight games left. So that so it is wide open. There is no confirmation of this would be Dallas and Old Glory storming up the standings now. Well, that's something we'll be getting onto later, especially <laughs> with Old Glory. Is there anything before we go on? Is there anything that's surprised you so far this season looking at the standings any teams that you're kind of surprised at the where they are anything that's kind of shocked you so far i wouldn't say shocked so much in the sense of like i never saw this coming remember when uh, we were both like i don't think i don't like the vibes that atlanta's sending out because of all the off-field stuff right before the season starts yeah, remember when and then and then that. after the and then after the first game, I was like, "Oh, oh, we they'll be fine." Yeah, that prediction um, did not age well. I think our yeah. our our West is aging pretty well, though. So far, yeah, I'd I say think if I recall if I recall correctly, did we not have at least I think I said at the very least Austin, San Diego, L.A. to make the playoffs. 
I think the the big surprise that has happened so far has been the team that finished bottom of the 2021 season, regardless of each um, conference, beat the defending champions in the first round. That that was the major yeah. shock. And I, but then again, it's also that was the worst it, game LA's ever played. That, true, but it's I still think the worst game. Seven games later, the, it's the worst game they've ever. If played. you look at how. Um, like the names within LA, the name changes within Houston, and how both teams have been performing this season. So yeah, Houston are currently fifth in the West at the moment, but it's very close uh, in the West between, I'd say, the top five teams at the moment. I think they're all within easy reach of, you know, one team just needs a bonus point victory and they could immediately find themselves um, shooting up the table. Likewise, they could also have a uh, loss in which they don't get a bonus point and find themselves out of playoff contention as well. Um, with LA's departures from last season and the new guys they've got in, they still have kept some names, obviously DTH, Vandermoer and Matt Gittow being the two biggest ones, but they are still yet to play. Yeah. And I think if LA is in the playoff picture... By the time we get to the end of the season, hopefully both of those names are back and I think they can do wonders for the team. But obviously, one or two players don't make a team. So, interesting fight. Um, when you look at uh, last year's uh, Eastern Conference, uh, ATL and New York were in the playoff picture most of the season. So, it doesn't surprise me that they're both there and New England. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of investment going on with the Free Jacks, uh, a lot of play retention from last year as well. Um, yeah, and it just seems like it's a good environment uh, for the Free Jacks going on as well. So, you know, they've been putting in some fantastic performances as well. I, although I do say that with New England and New York playing each other three times this year, it's probably going to be uh, a more difficult second half of the season for the those schedule makers did well with that one. That was, yeah. That's a good one. Um, I think that I'm looking at this season, the things that surprised me, I did not expect LA's coach to have to play fly half. Okay. That um, is fair. And, yeah. and they're actually winning with this happening. That's definitely something. Uh, genuinely, <laughs> I'm going to go to the other end of the standings. I did not think there would be two winless teams halfway through the season. I think that with uh -huh. the level of competition, with the people they've signed, with the issues they've had with their head coach, um, uh, Dallas isn't pointless. I think if they were pointless, I would be more concerned. I didn't say pointless. I said winless. No, I know. I no. That's what I mean. Is if they were, if they had yet to score a single point, then I would be more concerned. But considering the caliber of teams they've been playing, as well as their continuing injury crisis, it doesn't surprise me that Dallas are, are yet to win. Yeah, the game. I, I mean that said. DC still being winless, and I believe they're on fewer points than they, Dallas. Yeah, they have one less. That's the big concern, I would say. Well, I mean, hey, like that's why they got rid of their coach last week, right? But that it, is true. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like I just, 
I, I mean, it, it is one of those things where it's like, like you kind of look at the rest of the standings, right? And, you know, you got in the West, you got eight points separate, only eight points, right? Separate first from fifth, Austin to Houston. Yeah. Um, then you got Utah struggling this year, um, right back at 13. And then the Jackals, like the, the, the gap between uh, the, the gap between the Jackals and Warriors is bigger than the gap between Austin and Houston. Right. It's just in the standings. And then same, yeah. same with uh, like old. So old. So in the East, you have the free Jacks are at 33 points with Nola at 18. Yeah. Right. So that's, geez, what is that? That's 15, 15. points. Right. So the gap between Nola and Old Glory is the, from fifth to sixth is the same as the gap between Nola and Atlanta from fifth to first. Damn. Right. Like it's, it, it's not, it's not that just there's just like, it's not like there's like, oh, like the teams that are making the playoffs are pulling away from everybody. Right. Like there is a distinguishable gap between even second last and last. Yeah. Right. Like it's like you could probably even say like Nola. I mean, Nola three and five probably been bad. Maybe, you know, has been bad this year. Utah two and six. Like they haven't been good this year at all. But it's like and even at that, like the the, the lead that they have built on the Jackals and on Old Glory is, you know, it's like the, we're talking about how exciting the playoff race is. But it's like these two teams are so far down the standings right now. I just, I just like, I didn't expect that. I know like Dallas was an expansion team coming in. I know we talked about the fact that Old Glory lost a lot of key players last year. Um, I didn't necessarily think that they would be like, you know, great teams or good teams or even be in contention for the playoff spot. But I, I am kind of surprised that they are sitting at like neither combined, they're a combined 0 and 16, I guess, right now. Um, yeah. They do play each other in week 12. Um, that's April 23rd. They play each other on week 12. Uh, so I guess so- someone's getting a win. Um, right. But um, it's, you know, I, I, like, I, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm, I, that's about the only thing that's like really surprising me, I guess, is that LA's winning with their coach playing fly half. Um, and, you know, there's two there's two winless teams at the bottom of each conference right now. What if they draw that game? Oh, that, that, let's <laughs> let's not go with that. Let's not go. Okay, right. So let's look at the other performances in round nine. Okay, so on the Friday night we had Utah hosting San Diego, and yeah, no, uh, you know San Diego, uh, they'd been coming off a bye week. Utah. Um, had already had the loss against Toronto, the loss against Houston, and it did not improve at home. The final score, Utah 15, San Diego 40. Jason Higgins came off the bench to uh, score a try to help San Diego get to that 40-point mark. Um, You know, doing well out on the the sunny uh, West Coast. So the reason, obviously, that Jason Higgins was able to play this game um, was that Nate Allsberger suffered a bad injury and was removed from the game. Obviously, Higgins, uh, being a scrum half, was able to come in and score the try. 
And unfortunately, this means he's unlikely to come back to Toronto and fill in for the next two weeks. So, you know, <laughs> you know, well done to him. Uh, so, Is that yeah. an option? Is that an option? I don't know if that's an option. Uh, I don't know. I, I have noticed that the Arrows have been uh, gaining like salary cap um, increases with most of the trades they've done. So I'm not entirely sure, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. By the time this comes out, it'll all have been decided anyway. So we move on to the second game of Saturday, which is New England versus Nola Gold. And I don't know about you, Derek, but this was far closer than I thought it was going to be. Oh, man, this was a good game. There was actually the East. The East definitely came to play this weekend. The three great games in the East and then a whole bunch of blowouts in the West. Yeah. Um, so the, the East was the exciting one this week. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah. yeah. Teams evenly matched, able to go where it is. But uh, yeah. New, New England 33, Nola 29, Nola collecting both yeah. uh, try bonus points. The big Canadian connection is that Foster DeWitt got his first try in uh, Free Jacks colors and was assisted by another Canadian, Regan O'Gorman, in getting that. We Ooh. definitely recommend watching these highlights. Now, this is the, if you're an Arrows fan and you've been. Uh, disappointed by the lack of uh, Canadian tries over the past weekend. Don't worry. It seems that we've uh, got you covered, especially with New England NOLA and uh, basically other uh, teams. So this that's the thing, is that the Toronto Arrows game and the Atlanta game was a battle of defences, and it seems that all these other games have been a battles of attack. Shootouts, yeah. <laughs> Freaking O'Gorman was on the pitch for like eight seconds before he set up that try. Uh, really nice run, really nice offload, and, and that's how good he is. He doesn't yeah, even need ten it. seconds. He He's yeah. done. That's that's what happens. You get Canadians; they show up, they win your games. Uh, exactly. This game was wild, though. Obviously, like New England got out to a nineteen nothing lead. Nola came back, tied at twenty six twenty six. Stevens in the sixty third minute. Um had a penalty to put Nolan in the lead 29-26. And then off the restart, New England immediately gathered it. O'Gorman had a nice run, offloads to uh, Foster DeWitt, and they go back up 33-29. Uh, and Foster DeWitt, first, first MLR try, game-winning try. It's gorgeous. Yeah, you can't complain. Yeah. They can't, well, I'm sure no other would, but New England obviously can't complain about that. Yeah, and no, no, well, no yeah, so, I mean, yeah, Nola, Nola might not be not might not enjoy it too much. Yeah, well, I mean, at least they can leave what with a, uh, the two bonus points. Also, what an aesthetically pleasing match to watch, as well. The uh, yeah, the, the red, red kit, the golden yeah. black kit. The golden black kit is so clean. That is so and nice. I have, I have said this since they first showed it. Gold and black is a great color oh, it combination. It works. It works very well. And then um, the uh, the free jacks never miss. You know how I know the free jacks never miss too with the with the kit. They put out that April Fools kit where it was like a picture of what's their mascot's name? Woogie or something? Yeah, Woogie. Yeah, Woogie. Woogie like a blue Sasquatch thing. Yeah. Um. So they put out that fake April Fools kit, and it was like with Woogie on it. And I kind of looked at it and I'm like, that's not as bad as you probably think it's going to be for your April yeah. Fool's joke. And I'm like, you should wear that. Yeah. It, it actually looks that, pretty that, good. The that color, looks like a charity kit. Yeah. The collar elevates it. Yes, exactly. Like that's one of those things that you wear and then you donate it to like a children's charity or something. 
yeah. like it could work. You can make that work. And it, it looked, I know it's an April fool's joke, but it, it looked a lot better than I think they were trying to make that look. I yeah. don't know. It worked. It worked well though. They should wear yeah. it. That's all I'm saying. Okay. We now move on to the Sunday games and this this was another close game. Again, I didn't think it would be this close considering the teams involved, but, uh, you know, both teams scoring in the 30s and yet one of them has to walk away the loser. And it was, so it was the, uh, you know, the old rivalry of the capital rivalry, New York versus DC. Uh, final score, New York 35, DC 31, which I think is their highest score of the entire season. And yet they still, unfortunately, have to take another loss. But again, uh, two bonus points, definitely helping them in the table. Maybe a little too late, but, uh, you know, coaching changes are coming in. We will be talking about that later. So now we've had all the close fixtures on the East Coast. Let's go to the blowouts on the West Coast. So (laughs) LA versus Dallas. Now this especially after Dallas's injury hit list has come out and mm. all these players that are unavailable for the next few weeks or even for the rest of the season. To be told the news that Ben Lesage is returning to the starting lineup for LA. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and of course, after breaking his hand, Ben is back. And what does he do? He scores one of LA's many tries in this game. This, this seemed to be like classic 2021 LA in full swing. You know, even Ryan James scored a try as well, a phenomenal uh, dice through the defensive line to get the uh, try. I don't know. I think it was a seven-pointer or a five-pointer. It was one of those like on-the-line kind of things. I'm not entirely sure. I, I, uh, I don't, I'm not sure. But either way, it added to their point tally. So I'm just, I'm just happy you get to talk about your favorite player scoring a try again. Favorite American player. We haven't, we haven't right. done this in a while. Favorite player, man. It's Favorite You can American. actually get a jersey that has James on the back now, I think. Do they sell them with the names on the back? I have not yet checked, but... Oh, uh, go, maybe that's coming. G- give me time, and with my credit card, and I will uh, find out. <laughs> um, so we Black have... one or white one? What would you go with? I do have a lot of black kits, so maybe I'll get a white one. Right. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Maybe I would. I don't know. Anyway, final score, LA 47, Dallas 5. And then we finished at the round with the Texas Cup. And Derek, when we were picking our uh, predictions last week, I said I would pick Houston just to be different, but I knew they weren't going to win. And I was correct. You're correct. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Austin, back at Bold Stadium. You should no, have I'm, gone with I'm, Austin. You're even wearing an orange shirt right now to try to make up for it. I know, I know. Anyway, I think that bye week really allowed them time to regather themselves, gain their confidence again. And, you know, they got back to the Austin that we knew from the start of the season, putting in excellent performances. Uh, Julian Dominguez scoring two tries as well. I bet uh, Nola wish they'd had him back in their squad for their game against New England, but... Yeah, he's pretty good, yeah. right? Yeah, well, he's yeah, he's pretty good last year. I'm surprised he <laughs> still wasn't with Nola, but... Uh, yeah. And, you know, Houston trying to put in a performance, but it, it just couldn't answer what Austin were giving. The 
Texas Cup remains in Austin, with the final score being Austin 43, Houston 5. Oh, it's not the best uh, weekend for two-thirds of Texas, is it? Two-thirds of Texas? I guess not, no. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess not. It's uh, they, uh, I mean, they had WrestleMania down there. I'm sure some people in Texas had fun. Yeah, I'm just, uh, Stone Cold hit a few stunners and made it all. Uh, made it all. Did okay. that happen? Was Stone Cold at WrestleMania? I I just mentioned it. I didn't watch WrestleMania. I should uh, have though. Oh, Derek, Derek, Derek! You got to know when WrestleMania is on and what's happening. It's it's one of these cultural landmarks of uh, American television. But, so uh, who you, you who can won know. Stu? Who, who won, won? Who won the cha- championship at the end? There's always a big one at the end. Oh, man. It was the uh, tribal chief, Roman Reigns. Oh, is that actually who won? Is that actually who won? I don't know. Well, well, I don't want to spoil everything. Oh, okay. I saw that Logan Paul wrestled. That's my extent of my knowledge. And he, like, mocked Rey Mysterio with, like, the Eddie Guerrero, like, finishers and stuff. No. That's all I know. All right. Well, let's uh, move back to rugby and let's talk about some MLR news that has happened today. Um, so Utah Warriors have announced that they have relieved Sean Pittman of head coach duties. So last year's MLR coach of the year is now without a team. And I mean, this is the environment of professional sport. I mean, we've obviously seen it with uh, Old Glory DC and you know, okay, technically Dallas doesn't have a head coach, but <laughs> probably may have been a similar thing if that had happened as well. Um, but yeah, but this was this was a shock, I think, to a lot of people. It's, it's not a shock if you watch hockey. <laughs> I mean, that is fair. But uh, so we are now, so two yeah. teams have now relieved their head coach yeah. um, during the season. Uh, one of them has found an interim coach to look after them, and that is Nate Osborne has been hired by DC as an interim coach for the remainder of the year. And whilst it is expected that Nate will be applying for the role in a full-time capacity for 2023 onwards, DC is also doing a worldwide search in case that mm-hmm. is not the circumstances that unfold. So... One team loses the coach, one team gets a coach. And we've also had some trading news between Dallas and Austin this past week. Dallas will receive the playing services rights to Asakata and Campbell Robinson. They will also receive salary cap considerations in 2022 and Austin's second round MLR collegiate draft pick in 2022. While Austin will receive one international slot for the remainder of 2022 as well. Yeah. Um, so obviously a lot of big news there. Um, yeah. Pittman getting, getting relieved of his duties. I, uh, it is, I don't know, I guess coming from that hockey fan perspective, it's definitely become a trend in the NHL in the last decade that if you win the Jack Adams award for the best head coach, that kind of means your time with that franchise is probably numbered. Um, so it's, it, uh, it's just kind of an interesting thing how that's kind of panned out and, you know, um, I'm like in hockey, in hockey, the coach of the year award is sometimes 
I guess, mocked or like joked out. I, I want to say mocked. Sometimes like in hockey, like the coach of the, the Jack Adams award, the coach of the year is kind of joked about as being just the, we thought your team would suck award or the, you definitely overachieved um, or like, you know, the team that overachieved the most award. Um, yeah. And then it, it does, it lends itself to a lot of coaches seemingly getting fired the next year when the hmm. team sort of regresses back. Um and I, I don't know. I'm just, I guess I'm trying to think back to like pre pre 2021 season. Like what did we think like Utah was going to be going into the year? Um, they obviously, you know, they. Well, it's important to remember that Sean Pittman was yeah, interim coach. Interim the coach. Yeah. And then he did a great job and got them to the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, but I think like the thing they got to the playoffs because they were scoring like a boatload of tries. And like the unfortunate thing right now is like, they're giving up as many tries as they're scoring. Right. And mm. you know, yeah. Like right now they're sitting, they're sitting at a point differential of plus three, um, which isn't really that bad considering they're two and six. That's actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's the same thing, right? Like they've, they can they score a lot, but they're also right now this season they seem to be giving up a lot too, which um, doesn't necessarily help them out so much. Um, but yeah, no, I think like Pittman uh, was was great last year, right? And he definitely yeah. you know got the job super late um, before the season started, and then led his team to a postseason appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, yeah, they're just uh, they're not. You know, I think they lost a couple key guys as well, like Austin Fortain. Um, but like, you know, they just they haven't lived up to uh, what the Utah Warriors brought to the table last year. And um, yeah, unfortunately, you know, well, that's the way pro sports go sometimes, right? Yeah. Um, the other thing, oh, obviously, you know, Nate Osborne being picked up by uh, by Old Glory. That's that's a big you know, that's a big sign or a big hiring, I guess, for them or an interim hiring. Um, you know, he's obviously, you know, been uh, the coach in NOLA for a while. He's got a, you know, even has like, you know, he's got a good knowledge of uh, like USA, like prospects and uh, the American rugby system as well. So um, hopefully, you know, able to kind of, you know, dig old glory out of uh, the 0 and 8 hole that they're in. Hopefully they can do that starting next week, two weeks from now. Um, a, uh, and, um, but yeah, no, that's crazy. And I think that's a good trade for, uh, for Dallas too. um, just to kind of round, round that out, uh, get a couple players. Obviously that team is devastated by injuries, um, due to the accident that happened, um, during their bye week um, pick up some extra salary cap and a draft pick. And all you have to give up is an international player slot. It's, uh, that seems like a pretty, a pretty solid trade for, especially given their current situation right now. Well, if you're looking to watch any rugby this weekend, we have got the places where you can find it. So the Women's Six Nations is on a bye this week. But we have the return of the World Series Sevens, which will be available on CBC. The Premiership and the URC is available on Sportsnet. The Super Rugby Pacific competition is on TSN. Japan League One will be on the Rugby Network, and the non-Arrows games will also be on the Rugby Network. If you're looking for Arrows versus DC and you're not in Ontario or the Toronto or GTA area, you can watch it on TSN this Saturday at 12 p.m. Eastern time. 
So let us go into our predictions for round 10. And up first, we have Toronto versus DC. Derek, I'm going to roll the dice and say you're picking Toronto. That is 100% correct. We're going going Toronto. And that is the same for me as well. So let's get into the proper uh, picks that we'll be doing. First up, New England versus Seattle. What, you don't think Toronto beating DC was a proper pick? Well, I think it's a given decision that we've it's already given. It's automatic because DC is that bad. That we're just not, no man. It comes across on two things. It comes across on the we never pick against Toronto, uh, except you did that one time. Uh, we never and pick. and then and my reasoning worked. So it, I guess so. Anyway, let's focus. New England versus Seattle. New England. New England's at home. New England. Yes. New England. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, they look, like, they look like the team to to beat in the league right now. To be honest, yeah. Well, they are the highest scoring team in the league as well. Seattle is coming off a bye week, so they may put up a bit of a fight. But I still see New England taking the win with this. So I'll be going for New England as well. Up next, we have Nola hosting Rugby ATL. Ooh. You know, Nola has obviously improved as shown against uh, New England, but. That the thing I found is defense wins championships, and ATL does seem to have one of the best defenses in the league so far. So I will be going with ATL. Yeah, I think I think I think Atlanta is Atlanta's probably the the play here. Um yeah, I mean, but you know what? Just be yeah, you know what? I'm gonna go with Atlanta. I'll pick uh, I'll pick a different one later. Okay, up next we have the reverse fixture of the game that Dallas almost won is Houston are hosting the Dallas Jackals this time around. Both teams only scoring five points the past weekend. Derek, who do you have? Ah, oh, man. I think, like, in all honesty, it's I, I think it's just, it's so, it's tough to pick Dallas given their record. Mm-hmm. Um, what the team was able to do when they were at full strength, and then now given their injury situation, it's just it, it's tough to pick them. It's unfortunate. I think they're kind of they kind of seem like a team that everybody is like low key cheering for to succeed, but yeah. it's it's difficult to pick them at the moment. Okay, so you'll be going with Houston. Houston yeah, I'll go with Houston. Yeah, that's the thing is I I want to pick Dallas, but. I don't know if they'd be able to pull off close to what they did when they last played Houston. So I will be going for Houston as well. Okay. Now we have another entirely Western fixture. It is San Diego versus Austin being held in San Diego. So, you know, they had a good performance, both teams scoring over 40 points. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Austin scored 43, San Diego scored 40. Uh, better point differential. And yeah, I'm going to go with Austin on this one. I'm going to take San Diego at home. Uh, you know, uh, they think they've been playing really well. It's a big matchup in the West to prove, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, just over the halfway mark of the season, show how you uh, want your season to end, set the tone for the second half here. I'll take okay. it. And the final game of the weekend, LA will be competing for the one piece of silverware that they have yet to win. 
It is the Champagne Cup against New York. You know what, man? I am going to cheer for the Toronto Arrows and therefore New York to lose. So <laughs> Toronto needs New York to lose. So let's go with LA. Ben Lesage, help the, help the old club out. This is going to be the case of you'll never pick against Ben Lesage, and now they probably won't pick him in the starting 15. No, no, that's just, it's just, it's still his team. It's still his team. I'm still cheering for him. All right. Well, I think New York have put in fantastic performances so far this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only teams they have lost to at the moment, I believe, are in the East. So I will go with New York. And also because we don't want to have a continuous repeat of last week in which we pick all the same teams only to then get to the end and be like, yeah, we'll pick up one. Hey, but I won the pick that we deferred on. So I'm Yeah, not... because I let you go first. I mean, in fairness, though, I think last week, I mean, I guess based on the outcome, the only one that we missed would have been Toronto Atlanta and it's like we I mean we pick Toronto all the time yeah but so it's like that's the one we that's the one we miss other than that we were perfect on the other five I mean you officially aren't perfect but you did say that you just picked Houston to be different so we know like the the brain was telling you Austin but the heart was saying Houston so well, we'll guess we'll just see if uh, we've made the right choices this week. And if you are looking for the Toonies picks, you can find them exclusively on our TikTok channel at The Rouge Rugby. You can find us across social media, including Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Rouge Rugby. You can listen to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor FM. And you can watch our podcasts on YouTube. Derek, if people want to find you, where can they do so? At Brissette Jet across all social media. And you can find me mainly on Twitter and Instagram at Hardman, spelled H4RDMAN. All right, we'll be ending the podcast there. Derek, thank you very much for joining me this week. And thank you all for joining and listening in. We hope you can join us again next time.